It was another nail-biter until the end against Northwestern, as Nebraska couldn't muster up enough offense to take advantage against the Wildcats, falling 21-13. With an 0-2 start, all eyes are on the offense and quarterback position as the team prepares for another week. We'll break down the Northwestern game and welcome former Husker Mo Berry to get his thoughts on how the team's mental state might be heading into the game against Penn State. Sean Callahan's also here to take a look at Nebraska recruiting. All that and more coming up on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe. Welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. The still line from Yogi Berra. It really was deja vu all over again. Nebraska playing a close game with Northwestern, but shooting themselves in the feet to lose the game. Joining me now, former Husker, uh, Jay Moore. Jay, we've seen this over and over again. It usually happens against Northwestern, but it also happens against Purdue and other teams. It's got to be really frustrating as a, as a fan, someone who grew up here and a former player to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really perplexing. Um, I mean, what's funny is you, you just look back. I mean, it's, uh, I went back and trying to do um, my pregame pod with Wisconsin. Right. You look like the two times that Frost has played Wisconsin, they have almost equaled the same amount of yards and first downs. But Wisconsin's outscored them by 40 points wow. in two games. Uh-huh. So you're like, what's, there's, there's obviously some, some disconnect. This offense has not had trouble moving the football in, in between red zones. That's right. not been the issue. They can't get points, period. They just, um, it's like they freeze or they just overcomplicate it. Or, I, know it's, I know it's tough when, when the field shrinks and there's only so much you can do and you have limited space. But um, it's just really perplexing that this offense in year three with a three-year quarterback still has struggles in the red zone in getting points. Um, points are a premium in the Big Ten. I'm not talking about touchdowns. Even field goals now, right. that's um, – I'll take those. You get a couple field goals in this, in this last game against Western, you probably win that football game now. Um, but it's just it's – just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a communication, a coaching, a quarterback, um, execution issue. Well, here's the big question. So you're going to get penalties. They're yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Nebraska can't bounce back from them. Uh, they've only made one first down following getting a penalty. They have zero points. By the way, the first down was on a defensive penalty. Yeah. That's how they got an automatic first down. Why is it so hard, do you think, for Nebraska to bounce back from adversity when they get a penalty? I don't know. It's, I don't. I, it's, 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 yeah. it's crazy. I don't think Frost understands it. Right, I don't, it's, it's, it's weird. It's just momentum. I know momentum in college football is such a key um, just because you're younger kids and just the flow of things, um, but I just it just seems like when you get a pe- now when you get a penalty, it's like oh well yeah three and out here we go they can't they can't bounce bounce back from it. Um, I don't I it's just weird the flow this the the flow of this offense has to be so on point, mm-hmm. um, and I don't I don't that's a bad thing like you got to be able to foot I mean game of any with any stick or ball you're gonna have some things go against you bad bounces you got to be able to come back from all those um they can't they just seem to they can't get out of their way um and one thing i've always wondered if you know looking at you know i did um doing my post game pod looking at red zone breakdowns with frost at oregon central florida um central florida red zone scoring was average yeah you know they weren't great his best year because they scored from outside the 40 big plays right (laughs) yeah and that's the biggest thing is like this offense is so predicated on the big play. It's boom, you get some, you know, ch- you know, some slants here, quick throws. You get the tempo going, then boom, you get it, you know, um, you get the defense bit up, and you get a quick move. Right. Um, best year was his uh, last year at Central Florida, their eleventh in the nation. His next best was his first year at Nebraska, mm-hmm. like twenty sixth in the nation in scoring percentage. Right. Um, and, and you're just like, man, even that year, you had a young Adrian, you have a Stanley Morgan, a yeah. guy that. 
a, a young Adrian Martinez can rely and trust the throw to. Barrett Pickett made a bunch of field goals. Correct. So um, it's it's crazy, but I do think this offense is 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 so predicated on that on that big play. Mm-hmm. It hurt. They just kind of get down there, and they just don't have. You'd think they'd have something, but it just seems like they just can't get it going. Nebraska crossed the fifty eight times, one touchdown, two field goals, one missed field goal, and of course the two interceptions. You would think that would be at least 24 points, maybe 27 points. They get inside the red zone, and obviously the interception, that's tough. I mean, there was no one open on that play. He threw it in a spot where it's going to bounce off a a right tackle or bounce off somebody inside of there. But what surprises me is how they don't run the ball in the red zone. They They can't run the ball in the red zone. They get deterred, I think. It's like they run that. So they get gifted two penalties. But in you know from Northwestern and right. on that last drive there, and the thing is it's frustrating. They get at the two. You run that play with with Mills early. It looks like uh, I think Volkolek or someone miscommunication on the block there. Really, he's ran into two defenders. I don't know if he was supposed to um, kick some guys out and get up. I don't know. They said it was um, McCaffrey making the wrong check. That's what they said. Okay, yeah. that's what it was. So communication issue, right? Um, but you still are on second now. And know what? There was what six minutes left in that game. Oh yeah. A field goal is okay still. You get three there, and you get the, you can get the ball back and go and a touchdown wins. Right, sure. You still score. If you score, you got to probably go for two anyways to try mm-hmm. to tie it up. Um, and they just get – it's just, you know, oh, that didn't work. Let's, let's, let's try something. Like, well, there was a miscommunication. Let's just try the same play game maybe. I don't know. Right. Um, but it's just – But you had that, Luke losing yards on yeah. a run. You had well, – I think total in the red zone and those ones where they were inside the 11-yard line, mm-hmm. I think they only gained two yards. Yeah. Because you had minus five, another minus two. I think they gained two yards and yeah. had three. Or four I think it just comes, I don't know if it's overthinking. I, I, I tend to come up with a lot of golf analogies. Yeah, sure. It is Master's Week, so. yes, that's right. but I'm a golfer. Um, it's like Nebraska offensively is a guy that they can get off the tee fine, they can hit it into the green, but they can't make a putt. They just don't know how to score. You know? they, right. they almost start overthinking um, the putts, and they, just, they, can't, they can't get it in the hole. And They're it's, in their it's, heads. And now it's like, oh, my gosh. Now yeah. you, know, you start trying too hard, and that's the last thing you, you want to do. You just got to keep with the process and right. don't get too um, you know, less confident and right. just, just keep doing the same things. We've got lots to talk about tonight, as you can see. We can't do it without your help. Reach out and connect to us. Move the conversation along by texting or emailing to BigRed at netnebraska.org. You can also reach us via social media. We're going to be looking at our Facebooks and Twitter. I have them right next to me. We'll check out your comments and questions as well. Here's our all-new sideline survey for this week. Who should be, pretty simple, who should the starting quarterback be at Nebraska? And it is a runaway right now. You have two choices, Adrian Martinez or Luke McCaffrey. Right now, 91% say that Luke McCaffrey should be the starter based on what he did on Saturday. Head over to our website right now and vote and head back each week for a brand new survey. All right, game highlights. It was a beautiful day in Evanston with no fans in the stands. Still somehow Nebraska had five false start penalties, which I'll never understand. Uh, Patrick Ramsey, uh, Peyton Ramsey, I called him Patrick Ramsey several times from Washington Redskins, but Peyton Ramsey, very good day early on efficiency-wise until Nebraska's defense really got to him. This was interesting. Fourth and one right here. You see this play. One missed tackle, two missed tackles. This happened a lot. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's you're, you're playing some younger guys now in that secondary coming up, and I'm going to break down this play here in the huddle just coming up. But you got some young guys back there, and 
they made up for some of these mistakes tackling in you know late in the uh, second quarter. I'm looking forward to you breaking that play down because really it's one guy a little out of position yeah. that shows you what it takes mm-hmm. to be able to stop a run play. Uh, here's Peyton Ramsey again, a nice throw across the middle. That's Miles Farmer making that hit. He had a really good first half, as you know, with turnovers and making hits as well. That's a great play. Yeah, right similar there. play. That's that's kind of that counter that they busted on earlier, but similar slow developing and and Jojo Doming is able to come up from behind and make that play. First field goal uh, early on missed right there by North. Western, so it stays uh, where it is, seven nothing after that long run by Drake Anderson. But Adrian Martinez gets hot in the second quarter, has a couple of plays back to back. Here's a nice rush, although he does dive a little early. Yeah, I know he can't see the yellow line because it's not really there. But he <laughs> dove a little early right there. They go for it and get it, it's a- and then they get it. This was close. It was um, close. There was no replay. I guess he kind of leaned over right there, but got that one. Favorable spot. Nebraska got some favorable calls for once. They did, for once. They yeah. really did. Here's Dedrick Mills again, going for it on third and one from the shotgun. I don't know about that, but here's fourth and one from the shotgun again. Adrian Martinez gets a scramble and gets the first down, uh, moving Nebraska in the field goal range. And it was nice to see the field goal unit operating the way it did. I know they missed one, but Connor Colt making that field goal right there. It looked pretty good, making it 7-3. to three. And then here's your soccer play of the day. You actually had two of them. It's your header. It's off of just Mook's head, boink, and then there's Miles Farmer grabbing it. Uh, just good instincts. He's the kind of guy that's around the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just right place, right time, but yeah, just good, good feel for it, you know. And first, you know, big time action, you know, wasn't too big for him. He, a lot of times young players might drop it in that situation, you know, almost Very like hot potato, yep. and uh, he's able to bring it down. Here's Adrian Martinez making one of the best throws of the day. Uh, this deep corner route to, to Marcus Fleming, who had a really good day overall. He had five catches for 75 yards. Adrian Martinez ran well on the day. He had 13 carries for 102 yards, including making a good decision here. Pulled it down, took off running. It wasn't the tentative thing that people have been saying about him. He did really well there. Um, and then you have Connor Culp again with another field goal, making it 7-6. to six. That was a 34-yard one. Uh, back to Adrian Martinez again and how he played early on. For every bad throw he had, he had a good throw. You know, you see a little bit of patience here. He gets the ball over, perfect throw. Went through his progressions. And how about this spin move by a big guy? Yeah, it was nice. Looking really good there with Mills. That was a gain of 14. Uh, Then you have a a loss here with Martinez running, and then that leads to a field goal attempt. This one actually, there's a little bit of wind. He looks like he was trying to draw it in there. Yeah, he was trying to play, I think, off the wind there, and it didn't come back to him. So there's the miss there, first miss of the season. Uh, Mm. But here, oh, what great anticipation. Yeah, it was great. Just, I mean, this was, you know, like he's trying to almost throw a back shoulder here, but I mean, just great feel and anticipation for a young buck. You can't let the QB tackle you. That's what I'm there. saying. He's got to cut inside and score right there. There's you no doubt. The QB get you. This is something Dedrick Mills does very well. When he gets within the one, he does do a very good job of reaching across and not fumbling, and he gets it right here. All of a sudden, um, Nebraska is sitting there at 13 to 7 with the lead, and you're feeling pretty good right now uh, going into third quarter. But the first drive of the second half again. A team comes out and executes very well, and that's what happened here. That's a couple more missed tackles. Yeah, and I hate here, you know, Deontay Williams comes in, throwing his shoulder. He's got, you know, he didn't play in the first half of this game because of throwing your shoulder and get targeting. You got to wrap up. This is a really good play by uh, Ramsey. They they ran the same play in the first half. This time he keeps it. um, And then great play by Ty Robinson, Mm -hmm. discarding the running back, but uh, making the touchdown pass to Rainey there. He's a transfer from Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that was a heck of a catch. It was a great catch and a good throw as well. Uh, Martinez comes back. And right here, again, this is probably his best run of the day. And you can tell at the end of the run how excited he is. Uh, Did a really good job, had good patience, um, and ended up going for 28 yards there. But this is his worst decision of the day. Mm -hmm. He had Austin Allen open early. um, And he gives Austin Allen a 50-50 ball. Yeah. 
And you know what? I mean, Austin Allen's, you know, it's his momentum's taken away. And the DB makes a great play. Yeah, this did. is not a great decision on the, yeah. in this one, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, two special teams gaffes. One giving a 36 yard kickoff return and then miss. Yeah, this, I don't know. This was huge. This is a block in the back. Yeah. I don't know how they yeah, missed it. Yeah, I don't know how they missed it, but the long side brother has got to go make this play. Yeah, he does. You shoot your gun, man. Yeah. You try to get a piece of him somehow. You end up putting him in field goal, uh, in, for at least field goal percentage, but they end up getting uh, a touchdown. This is a great run screen. I know a lot of people say, why can't Nebraska do this? <laughs> Why are there screen I know, games? We've always been. And again, another shoulder tackle tackles. by Cam Taylor Brooks. Yeah, and then this one, that. of course, I, uh, this had uh, on the radio broadcast mm-hmm. that Matt mm-hmm. Davison just up in arms because you're two guys coming in and missing yep. the tackle. Yeah, poor tackling on, in the second half with two Your starters, starters back, back in. in. Yep. So it's interesting issue there. That made it 21 to 13. In comes Luke McCaffrey. He had eight rushes for 49 yards, including this run here, taking a big shot. And then this is a, a very good throw, kind of similar to throw that Martinez made earlier to Marcus Fleming. Same thing, that deep out looked really good there. And we mentioned Marcus Fleming having a good day, but here's the here's the mistake. I don't know who's open on this play or even what they're It running. was quick, but it's just, that's a hard, I mean, he's, it's just everything's so jammed up there. Yeah. I just don't, I see what they're doing there. I mean, that's, but it's just, just no space, not enough space at all. You see how deep Nebraska is right here. That's what block in the back forced them back off the punt. Uh, McCaffrey was 12 of 16 for 93 yards, really efficient, but the one interception, he puts himself, Nebraska in a chance right here, getting the ball out, having a chance to throw the end zone. If you look to the back of the end zone, Marcus Fleming is open. wide open. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, this is you know, young no, it's guy. A t- it's a tough, tough one. That's, that ball's in the air for a while for a DB to make yeah. a play on it. I mean, he gave, tried to give Wandell a shot, but it just, you know, he did. the ball was too low. I'm sure he looks back after it. He looks at final stats now. You look at all the yards Nebraska put up. And, you know, Bo Pelini said famously years ago on Sports Nightly, not about yards, man, it's, it's about points. points. And it is. 442 yards, but only 13 points from Nebraska. It's something like, I think, they're 21, something like, yards per point, yeah. which is like 104th in the country. And you can't have that happen. You've got to score uh, more points when you get a chance to be in the red zone, for sure. We'll go to the players of the game now. Um, one from defense and one from offense, of course. And, and the one from offense will go Marcus Fleming, who I've mentioned a couple times. This is the young kind of guy you want to see get on the field and make plays. He gets his opportunities making them. He did. He showed up. You haven't heard much from him yet. We've been just waiting for these, this young crew to step up and make some plays, and he was a pleasant surprise. Um, targeted five times, 75 yards, um, 15 yards per catch. That's a heck of a, that's a, heck of a day. Uh, that throw by Martinez there, that was very, very impressive. I mean, yeah. that was getting hit sidearmed through the middle. That was that was very, very impressive right like we there. Said, for every big play that he makes, he, he's got, you know, a play that's not great. And he, he threw a couple of them like that where he gets he had Austin Allen on one of those. He also had Marcus Fleming on one of those. The guy, though, that had the game of the day was Luke Reimer. Oh, um, everybody talked him. about him afterwards. You talk about shooting your shot. Yeah. No one shoots their yeah. shot. Like Lou Reimer. Yeah, yeah, I got a man crush on him. I was, waiting, <laughs> I was waiting to see him come. I just saw, you saw bits and pieces from him last year, and I'm Maryland I saw game. that Maryland game. Like, woohoo, who's this guy? We haven't seen a guy, you know, bounce around like this, and he's just the feel for it, knows the ball. Um, his, his coach, his linebacker coach, was the same way, just an incredible nose, uh, nose for the ball. Um, feel, burst, um, great anticipation, yeah. and finishes, you know. I mean, this just rarely misses. Tackles. I keep track of stuff plays that's yeah. uh, no gain or behind the line. He had three of them out of the eight Nebraska had. He had the one sack. He had the forced fumble. Mm-hmm. He was the impact defensive player of the game. Yeah, he's good. He really you know, was. He's, he's really good. Uh, Will Honus, you better not stay out too long. <laughs> no doubt. We bring in Sean Callahan now, of course, from HuskerOnline.com. Luke Reimer, maybe the best player of the Scott Frost era right now? <laughs> A little early. You know, he'd be up there. I mean, you talk about impact defensive players – and what he accomplished in his first game, it's hard, Michael, to remember 
a guy in his first game at Nebraska, maybe Randy Gregory, someone like that caliber, where they came out there right away, and you're like, wow, this guy is really going to help Nebraska. And the, the positive is he's got three full seasons now uh, after this year. He's just a sophomore um, because he played last year more than four games. But, um, yeah, he's been quite a story and, you know, an example of how a guy can fall through the cracks, um, especially in the in-state ranks here in Nebraska. But this year doesn't count, right? So, right, so he'll have three more playing, years after this right. year which is really good to have around. The question we ask every week is about the wide receivers. Marcus Fleming gets in there as a young guy. David Betts had a couple of catches. We only saw a couple of plays from Omar Manning, and I don't think we saw any targets at all to Elante Brown. What do you think is happening with that wide receiver core? Well, I, I think Marcus Fleming is on the come, and I know going into the first game of the year, they really felt like he was on the fast track, and, and you saw that on Saturday. I mean, they just effortlessly you know, lined him up and – he, he was the leading receiver for Nebraska, and, and so you, you can see the talent that he has. Xavier Bett, same thing. They said, go out there and run five yards and turn around, and we're <laughs> going to throw you the football. And, I mean, he had two athletic plays. You can see the big picture of what they're going to be. Omar Manning remains a mystery. Um, you know, he was only out there a couple of plays. I, I think there's just so much more going on there away from football that um, he hasn't gotten a handle on, whatever that is. Um, but I, I think the positive, Michael, is Fleming – uh, and Betts, I think, are going to keep playing more. And Elante Brown should be up there as well. And uh, they've got to reshape that group. You heard Urban Meyer today on the Big Ten Network even say that they don't have the playmakers on the perimeter. And I think Nebraska's got to figure that out to, to make this offense really work. The thing is, maybe they have the playmakers. They're just not playing. Correct, because yeah. I think we all think that Elante Brown can be dynamic. I watched, I don't know, a half a dozen games of Xavier Betts. I know he can be dynamic. Just got to figure out a way for those guys to maybe limit the playbook a little bit. Because Scott Frost said that a lot of those guys don't know all the plays, and so he doesn't want to be predictable. But maybe to get them on the field, you got to be predictable. Well, and, and, and the, the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball quicker, and, and, and things just got to be smooth. And we didn't see that with Adrian Martinez. Um, he didn't have a lot of pressure on him at times, um, and, and he, he just wasn't on. And he was a, a second late on – a lot of his reads and his throws, you saw that on the interception particularly. Um, then on the flip side, you saw Luke McCaffrey going there, and, and he was a what Mario Verduzco called a quick blinker. I mean, the ball just got out of his hands quick. You could see him going through his progressions. And for this offense to run the way it was expected to run when Scott Frost came to Nebraska, the quarterback has to be like a point guard that just gets, get rid, get rid, gets rid of the ball at a very high rate. And, you know, McCaffrey, I, I, I like the efficiency that he brought in, the way he moved it. Yes, he had the, the late pick on the tip ball, uh, but he gave Nebraska a chance after they were really struggling um, to do anything late in the third quarter. So what happens against Penn State? Do you think they start Luke McCaffrey, or do you think Adrian Martinez is back in there? Today, if you ask me right now, I think Luke McCaffrey starts against Penn State. Um, and I don't think it's personal to Martinez. I think Martinez will be ready to go. I don't think Scott Frost is going to have a big announcement on Thursday when we talk to him again. Um, I, I think they're just going to say it's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, but I, I believe you will see McCaffrey be the starter if you were asking me today. Um, but like Martinez, McCaffrey will be on a leash as well. And if he were to struggle, they'd go back to Martinez. But, yeah, they've got to get that position figured out uh, because the productivity and the efficiency needs to be there. And they've played maybe two of the best, if not best, defenses in the conference the first two weeks. Um, Northwestern statistically may be the best defense in this league. Um, And we know Ohio State's an elite defense. So uh, when they start to play Illinois, Penn State struggled as well at times 
Um, you know, th- these will be different matchups for Nebraska, especially being at home. I know it won't be the same, but I do think Nebraska will have more parents and people in there than we've seen in other places. So there'll be a little bit of a home field advantage, not not what you'd expect, but just being home finally for two weeks hopefully makes a difference. Jay, Sean said something there. If Luke struggles, you go back to Adrian. With the quarterback position, it's not that easy always to go back to the starter. No, it's I, – I refer – sometimes you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and that concerns me a little bit just because you don't have – um, the consistency, you don't have the flow. I think you get a feel for it. You get it, the timing with your receivers. You get a timing with um, your O-line. You get a timing with your running backs. Um, your, your eyes get time to adjust and get to see what you're used to, to see with what the defense is providing for you. Um, so I, it's, it's concerns. I just I get it. Like I think if Luke's going to be the guy mm-hmm. um, against Penn stick State, with you stick with him. Yep. Stick with him as they did with Adrian through the first three quarters, and then if he struggles, and you bring you can bring uh, you can bring Adrian in um, a little later. But you got to listen. They got to try to do something to get points. This offense is getting enough yards. They got to get points, and whoever whatever quarterback can get them points in the red zone to, to operate efficiently and at that high level that we're all expecting, mm-hmm. um, then give give Luke a shot because you really can't do anything uh, you know any worse at right now through thirty points in two games. Here's the thing, Sean. You've heard Scott Frost say some a number of times, the two best playmakers that he has are two of the best, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. If Adrian Martinez is on the bench and Luke is starting, do you think they can use Adrian to do some of the things Luke did? Maybe wildcat-type roles because he is a great runner. I mean, you, you look at what he does on design run plays, and he's pretty dang efficient uh, when they bring him in, in in those situations, especially when they spread it out and um, the defense kind of knows it's coming, but he he finds those seams um, so, yeah, I think there's a way he could still help Nebraska and the same way Luke McCaffrey helped Nebraska. Um, he, he is, you know, quite frankly, the two running back or the two quarterbacks are, have been the, the best running backs Nebraska's had all year. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if you saw Adrian, even if he didn't start this game, get an opportunity in this game. Thanks, Sean. We'll talk later in the show a little bit more. Next up, though, we break down a few plays from Saturday's game. We also welcome former Husker Mo Berry. Should be a good conversation with him. As we go to break, we'll take a look at Northwestern and Nebraska's series with photos from Hale Varsity. Be right back. All right, we already saw this play earlier, and both plays were discussed defensively. We saw it early in the highlights. Um, this is that 41-yard touchdown on the header early in the game. I want to highlight Ty Robinson. Ty's been playing phenomenal all year so far. Very, very impressed with him. But he's in a situation where he just got put in a tough spot, young player. I don't know if they've seen this look in practice week, but he's playing a four-eye. A four-eye is head up to inside of that tackle. So when you're in a four-eye, your eyes are on that tackle. So as I hit play here, the tackle is going to go out. Guard goes down. So when that happens, you get that split look, and you're kind of getting this little counter trap look, his eyes have to come immediately inside because what he needs to do now when you have that opposite pulling guard, he has to come inside of this to take this alley inside away to force this ball to bounce out into more of this help, just to buy some more time. Nebraska is not in a great situation right here, but it's to, it's to buy the time for the safeties in your maybe in Garrett Nelson to come and get off a block to make a play. But he doesn't. He gets kicked out by the guard. You get this seam here. You get a crack from the wide receiver. You get the fullback or the slot guy coming up here, um, leading up on Colin Miller. And then Newsom does not crack replace here with Rymers. And 
He's getting a bass spot. He's got to get this guy down. I know it's a lot of field. Um, it's tough, but you got to get him right down right here for a six, seven yard gain and, and regroup and go again. But you don't. Farmer takes a bad angle. But really, if he could, if if um, Ty Robinson's eyes was a little better getting down inside, this would have been a touchdown, and maybe Nebraska can win this football game. But now, next play. Let's let's look at a let's look at a good defensive play. So Luke Reimer's already talked about him, a great game. They're going to bring a little. Four-man pressure here, four versus five. You know, Northwestern has five guys to block four. Northwestern would be okay, but I'm going to highlight Feldarius Payne here as well, and he does a great job. Right now, Reimers comes from depth back here, but he's able to hold on to two guys. So this, this tackle cannot come off on Reimers. Um, you get everyone else crossing face. You get Caleb Tanner dropping here in coverage. Um, QB's looking to the field side. But he's able to get those two guys by time. The tackle cannot come off, and this is just teaching tape right here for a strack. Uh, sack fumble, strip here. Um, you got to eat that up. I love that as a defensive guy. Uh, great play. Um, great job staying at depth, not creeping up so they don't slide you. Um, and great, great game by Luke Reimers. Jay, going back to the, the run by Drake Anderson. So you use golf analogies, I use military now. Okay. Okay, so when you're in a, a combat situation, Joe, you go, I'll cover. That's essentially run defense. Mm-hmm. For everything one person does, someone else is there. You call it a crack replace. Yeah. If one guy gets taken out, somebody else is going to replace them. The one mistake at the very beginning, though, mm-hmm. that's all it takes for something like that to happen? Yeah, it does. I mean, because in football, um, it just depends because we're, it's a, that's not really a game of opposites. Uh, but when you, you're bringing a blitz up the middle and you're an outside guy, you play on the outside a defensive end, a, a, um, a tackle or a defensive tackle. Essentially, Ty Robinson was a defensive end, um, and there was no pressure. But if it's coming up the middle, you got to keep everything in the middle. So you right. got to set the edge and make sure that everything's funneled back inside. But in this situation, he had help, so he's got to pit a guy outside of him. So he has to force that ball back out to his help. But it's just a tough look. When you get that split look, his eyes go to that tackle, and you get the guard going down, he has to immediately get his eyes right back down that line of scrimmage so he can't go blow that thing up the force set. And it does. I mean, Northwestern did a great job. I mean, they, they blocked that thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just little things. And I, you want to talk about eye discipline and how important right. it is. You hear it all the time. That was just poor eye discipline. He got his eyes in the wrong spot. I think he got his eyes the tackle, then eyes the backfield. Right. You're kind of sitting you there. You can even see him. Right. You can sit in there free like, ooh. Where's this going? But it's like, boom, then he gets earholed, and then he's off to the races. So um, it's just simple things like that. He's a young player, but I, mm-hmm. they, Nebraska did a good job defending that play um, a few other times in that game as well. No doubt. We had a lot of kids played well, a lot of young kids that are, uh, I think, ready to play. And I think our team understands that we're going to com- compete and let them compete on the practice field and play the guy that practices the best and gives us the best chance to win. And, and right now we have a lot of jobs, not just the quarterback position, that are up for grabs. And so we're, this is an open competition week. You know, I'm not looking to bench people. I'm not looking to um, scare anybody. But there's a lot of young guys that are earning a lot of opportunity, and they need the they need the reps. And however you practice this week is going to determine how many reps those young guys get and how many reps those older guys get. When we have a team down, we just got to figure out how to keep them down. You know, put our foot on their neck, and just keep going. Um, don't look back. Don't give them opportunities to get back into the game. Less games this year makes makes all the ones we do have um, that much more important. So, um, yeah, it, it's crucial for us to get a win this week, um, get on a roll. Um, winning's contagious, so we just got to get one and um, get it rolling. We're pleased to be joined by former Husker Mo Berry. Mo, we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining the Big Red Wrap-Up. 
Uh, thanks for having me. Start off with what you're doing with yourself now. I know you're, you're working with some athletes. I know you're getting started in the business world. What's going on with you? Uh, right now, you know, um, I'm doing real estate with Berkshire Hathaway. Um, right now, I'm doing marketing with them and getting my license at the, at the end of, of this month. Um, I'm also working with um, Warren Cap Academy and, um, and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a great time. A lot of things have changed in my life. I'm still training, um, staying fit, and uh, I'm going to give it a shot next season. Mo, Barrett Root is a teammate of mine. Uh, I, I know Barrett as a, as a player. I know him as a friend. I don't know how Barrett is as a coach. Fill me in on how, how Barrett Root is, is as a coach when you got a chance to work with him the last couple of years. I think he came in and did a great job. I think, um, you know, what he did was not try to restructure the room in, a, in the sense of trying to make us learn new um, uh, new ways of thinking and new ways of playing. What he did is just introduce his way of thinking and almost as a um, as an option to succeed. And and how he introduced it is is you know this makes your life easier as a linebacker. It makes you make plays better, and um, that's how we adopted it because um, we we seen it as oh he's given us the key to success at the to, at the position. So as he came in and um, his philosophy was. Uh, then uh, bestowed upon us, then we just took it in. And for me, my first year, I took in everything he um, brought for, forward with in, in the teaching room, in the in the film room, and it made me um, have a great year. I, I, I used the stuff that Coach um, Bray um, taught me and then the stuff that Coach Rude, and I integrated and um, had a great success with that, um, with that approach. It's not so easy. He's, he's a great year, and I mean, a great coach. And I think what he does well is uh, he don't overthink, overanalyze things. And for for us linebackers, it makes it easy on us and um, makes guys like Lou Reimer uh, play faster. So that's why. Mo Berry joining us, former Husker here on the wrap up. I was going to ask you about Luke Reimer. It's not easy for a young guy in his first start to go out and play the way he did. Tell us what you saw from what he did there on the field against Northwestern. Yeah, Luke, man, an athlete. Um, I'm high on him. I think since he came into the campus, just fast kid, works hard. You don't have to tell him to work. He's going to come in there and he's going to prepare. Um, I remember thinking in, in the in the Hawks, seeing him working out by himself after we came from break. And I was like, you know, I was just happy to see that. I was like, you know, not a lot of freshmen come in here and just work by themselves and he just seen it as this is what I've been doing all my (laughs) life so he didn't see it as special at all so a lot of respect for the kid um what I've seen from him is decisiveness he he played fast he was uh downhill he was um ready to make contact he loved the contact he was a hungry dog um so when you see someone who's so hungry so ready to make a play has been storing that energy for a long time that's how I describe his play in his first uh, start. Well, talk to me about Colin Miller, because he came in as a DN in a 4-3, then moved to outside linebacker. Now he's an inside linebacker through multiple coaches. How tough is what the transition's been for a guy like Colin Miller? Yeah, like you said, he was um, recruited by by Trent and Autumn to to play uh, outside linebacker DN, and um, he was at a 4-3 recruit. Um, And then just to come in and then switch – to inside linebacker in a three four, that's 
totally different mindsets. Um, so, you know, kudos to him for transitioning well and understanding, you know, he had to change his body. He had to change his positioning. His stance had to change. Uh, everything from the from the the start fundamentally had to change. And then mindset-wise, he had to change his approach also. So um, it's, it's a great thing he did. And kudos to him for uh, adopting to the position. I think he's doing well this year. And his uh, vocal leadership is helping this defense. Fomas Kamilberry joining us here on the wrap-up. 0-2 for Nebraska. Two very tough losses. When you look at the mindset of trying to stay in it, how difficult is that? What do you think the guys are going through this week as they get ready for Penn State? I think this week presents a great opportunity. You know, um, Penn State, storied program, great program, a great name, a uh, great head coach. And they're, they're beatable, you know, and they're zero and three and we're zero and two. Like Coach Rue said, um, no team has anything to lose, but has has everything to lose in this point because uh, um, one one ne- uh, another loss on their column and they're going to think the worst and another loss on our column and we're going to think the worst. So uh, I see it as a great matchup. Uh, if, you know, for my players um, in Lincoln, they should be hyped and uh, ready for this because it's, it's basically starting zero and zero uh, versus another zero, zero team. Cause that's, that's how they going to come in and approach this. They know they could win this game and, and we should feel the same way that we could win this game and whoever has the momentum and whoever is hungry and has made adjustments to correct their um, last game, previous game mistakes will win this game. So um, I, I think it's a great opportunity and um, Penn State is a talented team. They have great receivers or a receiver uh, mm-hmm. in number five. And and their quarterback has struggled, but I think regained his comp- his um, confidence uh, at the end, the latter part of uh, last game. So we'll see. Um, I- I'm excited to see it, to be honest. Mo, I know you guys, the Black Church, you're in your room. You're taking care of your business. But on the other side of the ball, They've got kind of a quarterback battle going there. Obviously, you had a quarterback coming in the fourth quarter, McCaffrey. What's it like on a team like that when you're dealing with kind of the, the turmoil of two guys? Uh, man, um, you see, I, I always go back to 2018. Um, you know, you had Tristan Jebbia, which all of us guys, we respected him a great, great do great leader. Um, you know, a lot of the defense gelled with him and uh, loved his work work ethic and uh you know, you have Martinez coming in as a prize guy and a guy that we knew, um, you know, had what we would say the clout coming in. <laughs> and um, it, it was it was hard for us, but um, we just put the team best interest at, at the forefront of our mind. So that's what's going to have to happen. Uh, I, I love Adrian and going back to that 2018 season and seeing how he I remember every time he took a snap, I was thinking something's great going to happen and that's the kind of that's the kind of um the trust we had in him and the faith we had in him and even though we didn't win a lot of games that season uh I would love to see that same quarterback again um him play as magical as he did that year and um McCaffrey though he's a lot of great things about him hard worker and has also earned the respect of his players so it's not a lot to lose and and then putting McCaffrey in, uh, I just think, honestly, it, it should be a, a choice um, for Coach Frost to make a, not not this game, but maybe something that's going to be down the road because you never know. Um, 
I think both guys could help the team. I love why I seen Ohio State game. I thought that was a great approach and how coach put both of them in. And and if y'all seen the 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 offense looked real fiery and was moving downhill um, and down the field. I seen McCaffrey look well as a running back uh, and and also um, Martinez looked well over there with him. So you know, there's a lot of good things. I just think in the end of the day. Let Coach Frost make this decision. If it was this clear, he would have made it a long time ago. Um, so I trust his decision, and he's going to make the best team team decision for everyone. Mo, the one thing is for sure in football, they don't make it easy on the defense. They never have. Um, we had a couple guys get knocked out of the game, missed the first half because of targeting. We saw some guys miss some tackles uh, in the second half of the game against Northwestern. What do you tell those guys about the, tackling the right way, bringing your arms? What do you tell them about getting that done? I mean, I, I love D, D-Cap, uh, Deontay, all of them, and they are hard hitters. And it's just the game of football change, even specifically on uh, defense. You can't rock people's world anymore. And uh, that can't be um, – you just got to get them down. And you got to do as physical, as physical as you can, but you, you got to understand it's a strike zone. That strike zone is under well, where we would say underneath the, the pads – and the hips, you want to hit that strike zone and uh, not aim for – if you aim for the shoulder, you're going to hit the head inevitably. And if you got – just aim low, honestly. I know people always – I've seen Twitter, they're, they're talking about, oh, you want uh, these players just to take out people ACLs? Well, I'm, you don't get kicked out of a, team, uh, a game tearing ACLs. And I know that sucks. And no player goes to the field and say, I'm going to take someone ACL. But – it just we have to hit lower and we have to wrap up. And I know the coaches are teaching that. It's just the mentality. I understand they want to hit hard. They want to give it to them. But we just got to bring our hands and we got, got to aim for that strike zone at all times. Mo, as players, we always practice in the empty Memorial Stadium uh, many times. Scrimmages, spring balls, uh, two-a-day practices. For the first time ever in history, this stadium is going to be almost empty. Um, how do you think Scott Frost and this team is going to handle that? Because that emotion plays so much into that um, with that with 90,000 strong going, you know, for 60 minutes or for you know a few hours of the game. How do you think they're going to handle that early on in this in this game with uh, hardly any fans there? Yeah, like you said, man, it's that Memorial Stadium, the best place to, to play, honestly, is just uh, the feeling I get every time I play there is is amazing. And I know those players long for that feeling and we haven't um, haven't played there with fans since Iowa of last year. Mm. Um, I think in the end of the day, your your parents is out there. Um, you're playing somewhere where you're comfortable. You got the hot tub, you got the cold tub, <laughs> you got everything at your disposal. Just to have that and um, be comfortable, it's going to be enough field of field advantage for them. Not and and that's going to play a big role, I think. Um, but I, I just want want to see them go out there and just uh, play hard. And, um, you know, make some plays and uh, play with fire the entire game. Because, like I said, this is a great matchup. And both teams got none to lose but got everything to lose, really. And um, so for them to come out there and play like their life depend on it will be great to see. And uh, with, their, with their parents in, in the stands, that's all you need, you know. Last thing, Mo, you picking Nebraska to beat Penn State this week? Of course, man. <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you. We really enjoy talking with you, Mo. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Go Big Red.
Paul Mosca, Mo Berry. Up next, we'll take a look at some recruiting with Sean. And of course, we'll chat with a member of the 2021 class as well. But first, enjoy some images from those, of course, Northwestern games that are always close with photos from Hill Varsity. Stay with us. Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey. The question is pretty simple. Who should start at quarterback for Nebraska? As you can see on your screen, Luke McCaffrey receiving 93% of the vote. Make sure you visit the wrap-up site so you can cast your vote as well. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us tonight on the wrap-up. I'm Michael Severe, joined by Sean Callahan. Sean, we still have got some commits that are in the playoffs playing uh, coming up this weekend. Yeah, there's a big group of local guys, uh, both in Nebraska and western Iowa, four to be exact, uh, that will all be in big semifinal games, uh, first in Class A. Um, you're you're going to see Omaha Westside with Nebraska commit Kobe Bretz. Uh, they've got a big semifinal game on Friday. Um, and opposite, and they'll play Millard South. And opposite of that, Teddy Prochaska from Elkhorn South, um, they have a game against Kearney, who knocked off Bellevue West in a thrilling game. So, uh, two Husker commits could end up meeting in uh, the championship if Westside and Elkhorn South win. And I would say they're probably the favorites in those games to win. And then Carney Catholic in Class C1, Henrik Harburg, they get a rematch with Adam Central, who they beat earlier in the year, and you know with a chance to possibly avenge their only loss of the season uh, to St. Paul in the championship. And then in Western Iowa, right over the river, um, you know about 10, 15 minutes from Omaha, Seth Malcolm at Fremont Mills. Um, they are in the final four in Iowa, and they play all those games, the semifinals in the championship games, Michael, inside the Unidone in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and uh, they, they, they made that uh, this weekend. So um, lo- lots of flavor in the semifinals here in both Iowa and Nebraska with Husker recruits. All right, Sean, let's talk to one of those recruits whose commits you were talking about just now. Joining us now, Teddy Paraska, to talk more about playoffs and, and being a Nebraska Cornhusker. Teddy, first of all, Prochaska, Prohaska, which way? Uh, Prohaska. Prohaska. Okay, just making sure. I I heard Sean say it the other way, and I just want to make sure I had it right. Uh, Let's start (laughs) off with uh, being in the playoffs. What's that been like for you guys and this whole season, which we didn't even know would get going, and now being there in the playoffs? Uh, Yeah, you know, each game's different. A bunch of competition. It it feels good, you know, making it further than we have been. My sophomore year and junior year, we get bumped out in the quarters, but now we're going to make it to the semis against the team. That, uh, we played earlier in the season, beat them in overtime, but you know they're a better team now than what they were, and it just feels good to play them again and see how well we progressed and how well they progressed. Yeah, Teddy, what did you see in that win? I don't think very many people expected Carney to beat Bellevue West. Uh, they won that game in overtime, and, and like you said, you guys beat Carney in overtime earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were playing Lincoln Southeast at the time, but uh, we were getting updates on the sideline. And when I heard that Carney beat him, I mean, I was surprised because <laughs> I don't think really anybody was expecting Bellevue West to lose to him. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's going to be a good game. We They kind of run the same thing that they ran against us, uh, against Bell West. So I think we got a good game plan going into it. Hey, let's talk about committing to Nebraska, obviously an in-state guy. But what was ultimately the decision that made you decide to commit to Nebraska? Um, I trust the coaching pro- uh, the coaching staff that they got there. Uh, the program that I'm going to be going into, I-, I feel comfortable with that, more comfortable than what I 
NFL with all the other places that were offering me. Teddy, um, you've obviously been committed for a very long time to Nebraska. It's given you a lot of time to plan and organize. Will you be an early enrollee? Kind of what is your timeline here as you finish out your senior year of high school? Yeah, so I am graduating early and I'm enrolling there. Uh, I mean, after football, it's really just going to the weight room and then kind of just focusing on grades, and that's about it, really. What's this year been like for you guys? All the protocols, obviously they don't want you guys going out, doing anything like that. It's not the normal kind of senior year. What's it been like for you? Um, you know, it's, it's, it was tough to get used to at start, uh, wearing masks all the time at practice and stuff. But, you know, our uh, coach Rosenberg told us it's going to come down to if you're wearing your mask or not because it's going to be the teams that get people um, quarantined that aren't going to be able to continue on in the season. And a lot of the uh, senior-led leadership, you know, we kind of took it to it. It was like a mission for us to make sure nobody gets quarantined throughout the season. It, it happened, but, you know, there's really nothing we can do about it, just exposure in school. But uh, hanging out and all that other out-of-football stuff, you know, we stuck together as a senior group, only made sure that we were hanging out with each other and not anybody else. Uh, and I think that was, we are a better team for that. Teddy, what would it mean? Elkhorn South has obviously had a lot of success before you were there in Class B, uh, but mm-hmm. to get in the Class A finals, I mean, I, I feel like Elkhorn South has always had to try to earn that respect in Class A, um, and, and you guys got that chance to, to, to get in the finals um, as a relatively newer Class A school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this senior group, that's kind of been our mission ever since we got into the program is that we are going to be the senior class to – get Elkhorn South to the first Class A Finals, and now that we're only a game away, it's kind of a special feeling. Teddy, we really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Sean, you look at that offensive line and what they can do lining up, and I think Carney's a very tough team, but you think size-wise they should be able to move Carney, don't you think? Yeah, they, they've got the edge. I mean, there really aren't any lines. Maybe Lake and Southeast, who they just played, had a pretty big line as well, but Elkhorn South, when you look at them man for man, uh, they're as big as you'll see yeah. for a Class A line in Nebraska. Obviously, Isaac Zatica on there as well, who's uh, a Division One caliber level guy, and, and they've got uh, several other really, really good um, high school players. The depth they have in that program as well is what really jumps out when you watch them play. Our in-state guy is T.J. Urban, which is a very interesting guy because he's been playing some wide receiver down the stretch, um, which shows his athleticism. What do you think about him overall, obviously heading in the Air Force? Very explosive athlete, um, great athletic ability. I, I think a lot of it was where do you project him at the next level? You know, and a guy we talked about a lot on the show, Luke Reimer, was a similar type of player. He played quarterback in high school. He played all these positions now the job of the college coach is how do you project this guy where does he fit best he's going to go to air force um and you know he had other opportunities i want to say wyoming was an offer he had at one point and um some other ones like that but i think that was half the challenge everybody knew he was a great athlete but it was where does he fit michael best when you start to look at the next level is it safety is it quarterback in the right offense like air force is it receiver um you know he's got the ability i think to do a lot of things in college no doubt about that. Thanks, Sean. Time to check in with our social media and see some of the best posts from the past week. First up, some positivity from McCone Husker memes, highlighting one of the best players from Saturday. You have Miles Farmer, and opposite of him is Farmer Miles. That's creative. That is very well done. Uh, one picks corn and one picks quarterbacks. That's pretty good. And our next best comes from Husk Guys on Twitter saying, 
that because it was a huge advantage for Nebraska to lay in front of an empty stadium instead of being in front of thousands of Nebraska fans in their home stadium, which is very true because Nebraska fans always travel very well to Evanston. We're looking forward to seeing Husker fans at home and away games again in 2021. Let's take a quick look around the Big Ten from last weekend. Uh, We all know that the Nebraska game obviously was the big one that we all watched, but at the same time, you got Indiana and Northwestern at the top of the Big Ten now, and of course, the East-West standings after three weeks. It truly is a unique standings. Nothing we expected. And then Penn State at the bottom at 0-3. We certainly didn't see that, um, which is very surprising. First time since 2001. But you expected, right? Indiana and Northwestern to be leading uh, those two no. divisions? I didn't. Mm, no? Didn't, didn't expect didn't that? Didn't see that one. Didn't expect, <laughs> for sure didn't expect Penn State to get beat by Indiana in that first game. I know that. Yeah. Um, it's 2020. What, I mean, what else? You know, it's, it's a crazy year. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little Penn State, Sean. I'm going to bring you in and talking about Sean Clifford and the way he's played. He's obviously had more talent around him. But he's lost running backs. He's really only got one main go-to wide receivers. Tight end's pretty good. But what do you think of that offense that's coming in the Lincoln? Yeah, you know, you look at Clifford, and I thought, obviously, he was a big step down from what they had at quarterback. But he had so much talent around him a year ago. He utilized that talent. Dotson has been, to me, their best player. When you yep. look at what he's done at receiver, he's an all-Big Ten caliber receiver. The problem is they're an 0-3 team at this point. Uh, but that's the guy that worries me probably for Nebraska. Um, they can't run the ball. They're not going to be a very effective running team based on at least what they've shown through three games. And then you, you mentioned Ellis Brooks. I mean, losing Micah Parson, that, that's as big of a hit to any defense in the country. And I think Penn State's defense has really struggled through three games without a playmaker like Parson on the edge. It's interesting when you look at some of the questions we get from Facebook and Twitter, and they're all pretty much talking about the quarterbacks and what's happening there. Why do you think, Sean, that it took as long as it did for a coach uh, to choose to go to McCaffrey? Because that's what a lot of people are asking on Facebook and Twitter. You know, I, I look at Scott Frost as this. You know, he was a quarterback once in Nebraska, and he had his struggles a little bit in 1996. And Coach Osborne stuck with him through that, even though there were some moments where, at that point, it was Nebraska lost the game. I mean, that was a sound alarm bells. Um, and, th- and then in 97, he got booed in Memorial Stadium struggling. And then he really took off and won at Washington, and the rest is history. And I think he truly believes in Adrian. Um, he sees kind of what it's like. He knows what it's like to be a quarterback at Nebraska. And he was giving him as much rope, I think, to work through it, knowing the potential and the ability he had. And unfortunately, Saturday just wasn't his day. And, you know, I, I think Luke, like I said earlier, I, I believe Luke will probably be the guy this week if you're asking me right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Scott Frost, being a former quarterback, kind of has a soft spot to, to kind of let a guy like Adrian work through some of those issues. Another question from Twitter, and this goes back to, uh, I think it was on Fox, where you saw Urban Meyer talking about it's really hard nowadays to be able to call plays and be a head coach. Do you think we'll ever see the time where see Scott Frost let someone else call plays and let him handle everything else? You know, that's tough because – the reason they're all here is the way he called plays. I mean, that, that was his strength at UCF and uh, his ability to think quick. Um, but, you know, he brought Matt Lubick in, I think, in some ways to help him out in that area, to help with that decision process in the game itself. But I think the program, Michael, would have to be pretty far along for him to truly give it up altogether because I think that is – what he feels is his strong suit as a coach is he's not a CEO type of head coach. He's a yeah. true play caller head coach, and I think that's what he brings to the table. Well, you, you kind of saw it with Bill Callahan, right? Bill Callahan obviously was the offensive-minded guy. He did have some other people helping him, but for the most part, he was the guy calling the plays? 
Yeah, he had Jay Norvell with him as well. And I, upstairs. <laughs> yeah, upstairs. Um, I know <laughs> being a roommate with Zach Taylor, you got to hear all the, 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 <laughs> the juicy commas kind of going on. I do know it's kind of funny. You go back to the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma that year. I think, I do believe in the second half, Bill shut off his headset to Jay upstairs that <laughs> yeah. I'm taking this game over, which is not surprising knowing right. knowing Bill's uh, mentality and just how the offense was going in that game. They struggled obviously in that one, um, but yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough to give up those reins. I mean, that's that's hard to, um, you know. I mean, Scott knows what he's doing. It's just he just can't he can't put it together right now. It just can't he can't put all the puzzle pieces just are just a little off right now. And I, it'd be fun to watch when he gets them all finally put together as as a whole. Um, I you know. If he says they're not that far off, I mean, it's just, but they got to they gotta score some points, man, because like you said, it's not about, it's not about yards, it's about points. Uh, big 12 game, they should score more points than that <laughs> one, too. Uh, Sean, burning question. My burning question, which Penn State team shows up to Lincoln? Uh, the one that probably should have beat Indiana, the one that played Ohio State fairly tough, or the one that maybe had the worst loss in James Franklin's tenure at Penn State as a head coach, losing to Maryland. So I think that's really the question this week. Will Penn, will Penn State be motivated? How motivated will they be to come into Memorial Stadium and get a win? What about you, Jay? Yeah, mine's offensively, and it's points. Can Nebraska – Nebraska's only had 30 points through the first two games. Can Nebraska match that in this game? Can they break the 30-point mark against Penn State and in this one? It's going to be interesting to see, especially with the quarterback issues. Yeah, it's got to be the quarterback for the burning question. And it's really easy to say if Luke doesn't do well, you go back to Adrian Martinez. But once you pull a starter, it's not easy to go back to them. And also, it does limit your playbook a little bit. And, you know, Scott Frost talked about that with the receivers. It limits your playbook a little bit if you bring in Luke McCaffrey. I understand everybody wants to see it. And I think the message board will go crazy, Sean, if it isn't Luke McCaffrey starting against Penn State. But that certainly is a tough decision. I think it's still a hard one for uh, Scott Frost. So we'll see how it goes. Don't forget to head over to our website and Facebook page to click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what to expect on Saturday. Nebraska looks to finally play a Memorial Stadium in 2020 as they get set to host Penn State. Another 11 a.m. game. That's the scheduled kickoff time. It's on FS1. Next week, we'll be back to recap that game. Our special guest will be Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Our thanks to Mo Berry, Teddy Prohaska, also joining us, and Jay Moore and Sean Callahan. I'm Michael Severe. We'll see you next week on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up.